Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Mandy, and I'm not sure if I say that that often, that that's actually what my name is. Um, I have a fantastic episode today. It is something that I've been excited about for a while and had to do a lot of actual harder research on than I've done maybe for some other ones, some digging, and it's a really cool concept. But before we get into today's topic, I wanted to give some shout outs to some other podcasts that are on the Podbelly Network. So podcast is on the Podbelly Network. You can check them out at podbelly.com. It's a fantastic group of other podcasts and there's a directory and members. And if you don't know how to do podcasts, there's some tutorials and everything. It's a really great resource. So I wanted to give a shout out to some other podcasts that are on there, such as Art and Jacob Do America, Just the Worst, uh, Life Bites Podcast, Nerds on Topic, and Project Reclamation. So check them out if you're interested. There's any kind of podcast you could ever want. Um, True crime, comedy, Star Wars, storytelling, everything in between. So yeah, definitely check them out at podbelly.com. So let's get into today's topic and obviously if you've clicked on the link to listen to this you know what it is but it is the secret a treasure hunt and you may be wondering what is the secret um it is not that book where you know it's the the secret to success and those kind of things and one of those you know self-help type books this is a book about treasure hunts but it's more than that and we're going to get into the whole story of it but I wanted to give a little a little excerpt to uh, to start things off. So to set up the puzzle that is the treasure hunt, the author Price traveled to different locations in North America to secretly bury a dozen ceramic cases, or as he liked to call them, casks. Each cask contained a small key that could be redeemed for one of 12 jewels the Price kept in a safe deposit box in New York. The key to finding each cask was to match one of the paintings in the book to one of the verses in the book, and solve the resulting riddle and basically start digging. So since 1982, when the book was published, only two of the 12 casts have been recovered, and that is up to date as of 2019. So let's talk a little bit about the book itself. Um, There is this book, I guess, that was jointly uh, published and authored in 1982 by Sean Kelly, John Pyrard, (laughs) Byron Price, Ben Assen, John Jude Palancar, Ted Main, Ted Mann, sorry, <laughs> Joe Allen Trilling, and Overton Lloyd. The first 32 pages or so are um, a fairy tale about how various imaginary creatures left Europe, Asia, and Africa and came to North America. They encountered the Native Americans and got along pretty well for the most part. Then North America was settled by the white man and the fairies watched as the natives were slaughtered and the fairies decided to go into hiding. Some of those immigration details are, you know, clues to some of the locations, but in other cases, they tend to point to different, in a different direction, and they're just stories. Um, Where text, verses, and images disagree, (laughs) searchers will need to make their own decisions about what source is reliable. So it's more... It's not just a book that's a treasure hunt. The majority of the book is actually a fairy tale. So like I said, there's the first chunk, which is the fairy tale. And then there is a chunk that is just the telling of all the creatures. So it's like a big encyclopedia of all the creatures. And then in between you have the parts that make up the treasure hunt. 
So the first four chapters in um, the fairy tales section um, are titled The Tale Simply Told, The Passage to the New World, The Litany of the Jewels, and The Vanishing. And they kind of all match up. So I mean like each like clue or cask, there's a thing with um, the puzzle where it's located, the jewel that matches it because each one has their own specific jewel. And there's sort of this whole story and mythos I guess about the fairies that go with it and these these fairy creatures that were created for the book and it's it's pretty in-depth when you look through it there's like I said the encyclopedia part in the back is amazing there's individual stories on each type of creature that was created and their background and it kind of relates to different cultures in Europe and Asia and Africa and there's pictures of them and it's a really amazingly detailed book. So within there, and there's, you know, some clues that go to solving the puzzles that are within the stories. And the first four sections of the book heavily draw um, from the Encyclopedia of Fairies in the back. So that's called, um, oh, sorry, there's Encyclopedia of Fairies in the back, which was inspired by Encyclopedia of Fairies, Hobgoblins, Brownies, Boggies and other supernatural creatures, which was first published in 1976. So this book kind of draws inspiration from them. Um, so Catherine Briggs, who who wrote the initial encyclopedia book, um, was an expert in the history of folklore and magical creatures of lore, and sort of different books on the subjects. And the Encyclopedia of Fairies details things like the origin, customs, features, habitat, magical powers, and literary references to all manner of fairies, including the ones that are in the sections of the secret. And as an author of fantasy fiction, it is highly likely that Byron Price was uh, very well very, very well versed in her works as well. So then we get to the middle part of the book, and this is sort of, I guess, the meat and potatoes of the, the treasure hunt and the and the I wouldn't say conspiracy but the the mystery we'll call it the mystery of it so in the middle of the book there are 12 paintings and 12 verses which are for the treasure hunt um the <laughs> the third and largest and then the after the the paintings and the verses you get into um the guide of all the fairies afterwards so I'm going to go through that section and then we'll break down the actual mystery and the, the treasure hunt. So the last part of the book is the, the field guide to the fair people. And that's from pages 55 to 215. So it kind of gives you an idea of how big that section actually is. There's sculptures by Joellen Trilling. And they're, they kind of match with each type of fairy person. And they're posed in various places across North America. Uh, as well, there's illustrations by John Pyrard and Overton Lloyd. So these fair people often have punny type names and poke fun at stereotypes such as the health nut, the phony patriot, or just a fairy that curses people with Freudian slips. Um, this entire section seems to have nothing to do with the fair people in the first two sections. And the photos of the sculptures are often in secret cities, um, that are cities that are part of the treasure hunt ones, uh, such as San Francisco, New York. The photographer was a man named Ben Asin, maybe Asin, <laughs> and he and Trilling uh, traveled, or Trilling may have given her sculptures to him to sort of travel and pose them around 
the country, North America specifically, and take pictures of them. Um, the pictures do not seem to be directly related to the travels where the cast may have been buried. Um, but some of them could be revealing in that aspect. There's one that's on a ferry just south of Battery in New York and also one in San Francisco where you can see the famous row of houses in the background from the opening credits of Full House. One is in the front of the Capitol building in DC, one is in Santa Monica, and two are posed by other monuments from around North America. And many people find this section of the book, I guess, to be a bit odd. It's it's almost the way the book is laid out, divided into these three sections where the first half is just story it's a fairy tale then there's this sorry the first third i guess then there's the part in the middle with the paintings and the verses for the treasure hunt and then there's just the really big part in the back which is encyclopedia of all these fairies and i think that like maybe people who are interested in um the treasure hunt part of the aspect kind of overlook the other parts so for me i wanted to really dive into the book and i thought it was really interesting i mean they took the time to make not just the fairy tale at the beginning, but all these individual creatures and give them, you know, names and descriptions and locations. I mean, each one has the range of where they live, their habits, their history, um, spotters tips, I guess, to, to spot them out in the wild. And then there's the pictures of them. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of creatures. It's a lot of effort to go through to be creative enough to write all that up and then to go around and include pictures of every single one. I mean, there's a lot of them. I'm looking at one here called the bugbear. It's ranges. The bugbear is a wind spirit, something between a breath of fresh air and a neuralgia inducing draft. She beckons us onward through death Valley up toward the upward to the Rockies downward into the depths of Carlsbad caverns outward through the blizzard, deeper into the second growth primeval, and in general really, like really, into the outdoors. And that's the description of the range for this bugbear. And it's basically a bear with a bug's head and wings. So there's amazing stuff in here. And I would suggest anyone that, you know, is going to get the book and look through it for the treasure hunt part of it to actually take the time and read through the back part of all these fairy creatures because it's just it's amazing it's a really it's a really insightful and creative part to the book that I think is overlooked a lot I did a lot of research on websites and the treasure hunt part of the game and people sort of talking about different things and the, I think that enough not enough attention is given to the fairies and the creatures in the back so that's my big takeaway tip that if you are going to get the book and try excuse me, and do the treasure hunt of stuff, maybe at least take a few extra minutes, hours, whatever it takes to go through the encyclopedia in the back and just give them the attention that I think that they deserve. So from there, um, the original 1982 printing of The Secret included contact information for Byron Price visual publications to redeem the key and be presented with the jewel for that individual puzzle. There's also options to contact them to indicate that you've had had solved the puzzle, but that the cask was missing or unrecoverable. Maybe it was, you know, you got there and dug it up and it was gone due to construction or, you know, something else that was ongoing or it was unrecoverable due to natural disasters or something like that. But following the death of Byron Price in 2005, 
The publishing firm went into bankruptcy and his assets were sold. Uh, for a time, it was unclear whom should be contacted if a fine were made, and there were conflicting reports on whether the game was still on or not. And I can confirm that in the edition that I have, um, that I bought on Amazon, I don't know if it has the printing date of it, but there is contact info in the back and in the beginning. So it's something that you can still contact for if you happen to find one of one of the, the keys out in the world. <laughs> So let's get into the real meat and potatoes of it, as it were. The treasure hunt game. Um, this is sort of a weird mystery that's been ongoing. And it's one of those things that I find really interesting that was sort of out there in the world since 1982. And you don't really hear about it much. Um, I learned about it on a TV show and I'd never heard of it before. So I immediately decided to go and start researching it and get the book. And I just found it really interesting. So then you fall down this rabbit hole of what this game is. And there's a whole subculture of people that are participating in it and still trying to find these casts after, you know, 1982 up to 2019 when I'm recording this. So it's it's kind of crazy. So let's get into, I guess, the rules of the game. Um, the jewels are collectively worth over $10,000. The treasure casts themselves are of incalculable value, never having been owned by a man or woman. And that's what it, that's the, the takeaway from the rules in the book. Now, every treasure cask is buried underground at a depth of no more than three to three and one half feet. The casts are protected by lustrous transparent boxes and are sealed. The following places do not hold any treasure. Any life-threatening location, such as a dangerous highway embankment, a contaminated area, or an active railway track, any cemetery, any public or private flower bed, any property owned by contributors of the book, their families, or friends. So they basically don't want you going out and digging up people's flower beds, digging up cemeteries, climbing down a highway embankment or a railway track, or ripping up property from the contributors of the books or their families. Um, a few other things to mention um, about the treasure spots and that are worth keeping in mind. Um, Price was a responsible citizen and he wouldn't have wanted a treasure hunt to cause any harm or damage. So when he was going out and placing these, he wouldn't have put them in places where, you know, it would have been trespassing or you would have been ripping up, you know, structures or property or anything to, to get to them. Your solution shouldn't require you to tear up a lawn or disturb a natural area. The casts are only going to be in places that have already been disturbed by humans and where further digging wouldn't be a problem. In every case that we know of, um, the burial site is beside something distinctive, uh, a man-made feature that is represented in the image of verse, and the presence of the artificial feature within a few feet means that the cast can't be out in an open area or in a natural reserve. Um, there has to be a distinctive object made by humans very close to the burial spot. So it's not somewhere that's like, you know, protected land or a nature reserve or something like that where you'd be going in disturbing the natural environment or the animals in the area. It's somewhere that's, you know, a public park, a public area where it's easily accessible by anyone and it's not going to disturb the environment. And that was something that he was very conscious of when he went out into the world to, to place these. So one thing that I think that is never 
really talked about and it's something that if I had the chance <laughs> to ask him I probably would and that would be did he plan out the paintings and the verses first and then travel to these places or did he find these places to bury the cast go out and bury them and then come back and build the painting and the verses around where he had buried them that's something that you know I think that hasn't really been discussed and that's something that I'd be interested in knowing like which which one came first did he find the places or did he come up with the the clues to the places first so I guess we can kind of talk a little bit more about the images and the verses um each of the 12 images in the book represents a group of immigrants who came to North America from a foreign country each image is also linked to a particular month and contains that month's birth flower and that month's birth stone, which is the jewel for the cask for that image. The text of the book includes 12 verses that describe where a cask is hidden. The first step in solving the puzzle is to match up the image to the verse. So that's the other thing when you go into it, if you're just sort of picking up the book and thinking, I'm going to get the book and I'm going to look at these the paintings and the verses match them up they're not in order so image one doesn't necessarily match up with verse one and that's something that's the first I guess piece of the puzzle before you can even start trying to figure out where they are is to match up the images to verses but you're in luck because people have been working on it for many years and there's some really good well-documented wikis online they sort of match up the paintings to the verses and give a little bit more information or clues that other people have have thought that they've meant and there actually has been two casts that have been discovered so there's still 10 out there and you know they're out there for the taking I guess they contain a key to some kind of jewel right <laughs> so I guess it's time to go through each of the individual images and verses so image one matches to verse seven, and that one is thought to be Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Um, the search for this one has been narrowed down to a strip of land in Golden Gate Park, extending from the eastern end of Strawberry Hill to the California Academy of Sciences. The map takes people right or to the right area, and then the verse takes them on a stroll through some local landmarks. As of 2019, for some inexplicable reason, someone had buried a fake cask in Golden Gate Park and it was unearthed in February of this year. And the details are still very sketchy. So that's kind of shady, I think, that if you're going to go through and bury um, a fake a fake cask, I mean, what's the point? Just to screw with people? Did you find the real one and take it out and then bury it? But if you did, then it would have been known that it had been found. So, I mean, can't you just let people, you know, have fun with stuff when <laughs> you have to go and let them you know go and screw with them basically I don't get that so we'll move on to image two um, which match is verse six and that's thought to be in Charleston West Virginia uh, cask two was almost certainly buried in a gravel path beside the main monument in White Point Garden a small historical park at the southern tip of the Charleston Peninsula the update in 2019 is that an article was published in the Charlton Post and Courier on April 22nd, 2019, that said there would be a dig in White Point Garden early next month. According to the director of the Charleston Parks Department, a team connected to Expedition Unknown um, was planning to dig a small hole about two feet by two feet. There's no official follow-up on from the paper or TV show. 
but official unofficial report said that they dug a hole and didn't find anything and that was the show that I had watched to hear about the book um, was Expedition Unknown with Josh, with Josh Gates and that was one of the ones they went to go dig up um, he went to a few of the ones that people had kind of thought where they were and did a big big investigation on it and it was really interesting um, and I'd never heard of the book before so it was really cool to go through and you know go through the book and follow along with the tv show afterwards and just sort of revisit it so the one in charleston west virginia is uh likely still there <laughs> so image three um is thought to match verse 11 and that is on roanoke island in north carolina cascari was likely buried on the edge of the waterside theater and sort inside fort raleigh National Historic Site on Roanoke Island in North Carolina. It's a beautiful spot, but that selection is going to make the recovery a little bit difficult as historical records show that, that the amphitheater was going to be going through a period of decline when Price hit his cast in the early 1980s. He probably had no trouble digging a hole without anyone asking questions, but unfortunately the theater has since been upgraded and it receives much more attention and care. Security cameras probably make the dig you know trying to be a secret a little bit uh impossible so that's where uh image three cast three i guess is thought is thought to be god that was a terrible rhyme <laughs> it was totally an accident <laughs> um so from there we go on to image four and that is thought to match verse four so that's kind of a coincidence and this one is actually a found one and it was found in cleveland ohio the search was completed the cask was found in 2004 so byron price actually got to um witness that one before he passed away in 2005 it was buried in the greek cultural garden in cleveland ohio where the cask contained a key that was redeemed for an aquamarine jewel so there's one of the ones that had been found um next is image 5 verse 12 which is thought to map to chicago illinois and again that was the other one that was found the search for this one was completed and found the cask was found in chicago in 1983 so a year after the book came out it was buried in grant park and it came, uh, the cask contained a key that was redeemed for an emerald so there's two uh two jewels that have found two casts that have been discovered and that's sort of i guess proof to people that they are really out there that it's not just some made-up story some made-up treasure hunt that people you know are going to be stuck trying to figure out it is actually a real thing that they they're out there they're discoverable and that kind of leads you to believe that you know with some of the clues and some of the image matching verses you can kind of cross them off because you know which ones which images matched which verses for those two so that leaves the other ones to kind of discover and go through why is everything i say in this episode coming out in rhymes what the fuck okay so image six is thought to match verse nine and see and that one's thought to be in saint augustine florida and i believe this was another one that was actually on the show um expedition unknown on the episode so this cask six was almost certainly buried at the base of a tall pine on the grounds of the fountain of youth arch archaeological park in saint augustine florida searchers were meant to line up 
and the water jets of the fountain with a white dome of a building like moonlight and teardrops it was the quote from it and follow that line down to the base of a tall tree amazingly the property has changed very little over the past 35 years and all major landmarks are still in place but from watching the show the problem with this one is a tall tree i mean is it a tree that was there that's been torn down that has been destroyed by a storm and if other trees have grown in 35 years how tall is a tall tree now there so that's kind of one that is a bit um, ambiguous and probably going to be a bit harder to to track down image seven is thought to match verse two and that is thought to be in new orleans louisiana um, this one was thought to be buried in downtown new orleans on the site where the former saint charles hotel once stood the hotel which first opened in 1837 was one of the major landmarks in of southwest southeastern united states it resembled the capitol building and had a dome that tourists could visit to look out over the whole city after the first two versions of the hotel were destroyed by fire the third saint charles opened in 1896 and stood for over 75 years until it was torn down in 1974. so it had been torn down before um, price went to go and bury these casks so it would have been more of, I guess, an accessible area because it wouldn't have just been hotel property. The destruction of the St. Charles Hotel sparked an outcry and led to the creation of new groups and new laws intended to preserve historic architecture in New Orleans. In setting up his puzzle in 1981, Price included an obscure quote where the, the, majesty, the majesty of the former hotel arrows along the edge of the clock face were meant to take searchers on either one of two walking routes through the streets of the central business di district from the piazza d'italia constructed in 1978 to the parking lot where the hotel once stood the design of image seven linked to the new architecture with the old and the arrows of the walking area routes ended simply with the word preservation Sadly, this cask was probably lost when the place to St. Charles was constructed on the site of the former hotel in 1983. So unfortunately, a year after the book came out, a new hotel was constructed on the site. I don't think that Price would have been necessarily keeping track of where the casks, you know, were over the years and like what had been going on in the areas or maybe he had. And I mean, you can't really be like hey i buried stuff there i mean they may have found it when they dug it up or just thought it was construction waste or you know sort of who knows what happened to it unfortunately so that one is one unfortunately that may be lost image eight is thought to match verse one and that is thought to be in houston texas the the status of it in 1981 or in 1980 when price was sort of visiting around them to bury them there was an antique steam locomotive prominently positioned on the southern edge of mcgovern lake in herman park with the number 1980982 most of the locomotive was painted black but the nose was bright shiny silver and it made it visible from long way away price used a line of sight starting at the nose of the locomotive passing through a fountain to guide searchers to the burial spot on the far side of the lake this is probably meant to be the easiest of all the puzzles but in 1982, the same year that the book was published, the city repositioned both the fountain and the train, <laughs> disrupting two of the major clues. To understand how the area has changed over the past 35 years, there's um, a historical page that you can look up online. And amazingly, despite all the major renovations over the past 35 years, there's still a chance that the cast may be intact, although the hiding spot may now have been covered by a path. So unfortunately, I mean, you bury these things out in public, you can't really control 
what what happens to them. You can't control where um, the the construction is going to be around them, and if there's natural disasters or new things built, and where they're going to end up, and it's been a really long time, so. That one is going to be a fun one for people to find if there's been major changes to how the clues work. So image nine is thought to match verse five, and that one is in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Um, I guess he decided to hop across the border <laughs> to Palma. So, I mean, I guess that's why it's North America and not just the U.S., right? Um, the clues in image nine seem to direct the search toward Mount Royal and the Golden Square Mile neighborhood in Montreal. In particular, the Legister dog seems like a specific detail to confirm the neighborhood. It would be difficult to dig in a crowded downtown location without being observed, so that might explain why this is the only puzzle that tells us to get permission to dig out. But clues in verse 5 seem to steer us more towards St. Helen Island or Notre Dame Island in the St. Lawrence River beside Montreal. Those places would have made it far easier for Price to dig without being observed, but they would also make it less clear why searchers should get permission before digging. So it's kind of a toss-up on that one. Um, that being the only one in Canada, unfortunately, it's still a little bit far away from me in Ontario to go look if I lived in Montreal or closer to it. It's probably one that I would kind of venture out and try and see if I could figure out the clues for the area, knowing that, you know, the possible locations for it, just because that's, you know, something that I like to do. If I lived in any of these places, or had easily access to them. I think it's one that I'd kind of at least take a crack at, you know? I mean, if you're from one of these towns, it's a bit easier to know how the landmarks and the clues might map to certain locations and monuments. And I think that, I mean, how could you not want to go out and try and find these <laughs> if you live there, right? Um, so moving on to image 10, which matches verse 8, and that is thought to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is a little bit closer to me. Um, the search for cask 10 is focused on Lake Park in Milwaukee. Although the image appears to have many references to the downtown area, the reference to 92 steps in the verse would appear to focus our attention directly on the Grand Staircase, which is in Lake Park in Milwaukee. Image 11, verse 3, is thought to be in Boston, Massachusetts. The search for cask 11 is focused on two-circle structure in the Charlesgate neighborhood near the Back Bay Fens in Boston. The site appears to have remained relatively undisturbed over 30 years and the cask may be recoverable. So if you live in Boston, go dig. <laughs> and the final one, image 12, is thought to match verse 10 in New York City. The search for cask 12 has narrowed to the base of a single street tree near the edge of New York Harbor. It appears that the tree may have escaped the worst of Hurricane Sandy in 2012 and that the cask may still be recoverable. The challenge now is to find a way to extract the cask without harming the tree. The most promising strategy would be to use an air spade to loosen or remove the soil and this approach would actually help the tree by undoing decades of compaction allowing water and air to reach the roots. So if you're going there to remove the cask it may be something that uh that helps the tree, I guess. So that's the main breakdown of all of the, the images and the verses and the clues and the locations that they may be in. There's a lot of people that have done a lot of research online. There's wikis and websites that have all this break, you know, the breakdown. And I think that if you had first got this book in 1982, that would have been your first task really is to match up the images to the to the verses and I don't really know 
how people figured those out. I mean, they may have read through the verses and seen what matched up in the, the paintings. And I have to say that the paintings are really beautiful. I think that the book doesn't necessarily do them justice. Um, you have to, you'd probably better off to see them bigger, but they are full page, beautiful, full color paintings in the book. And it's one of those things where it's almost nicer to have the book in person in your hand to look at them and look at the details rather than just looking online. I mean, online, yeah, you can zoom in, but seeing it in print in your hand is something that's just more, I think, interesting and you have it, you know, as a tangible object to look at. So broadly speaking, there are two types of puzzles in The Secret. Um, they're kind of broken down into two categories. There's journey puzzles that take you on a trip through an interesting area to reach the cask. These are classic pirate treasure map type routes that go winding around um, indirect dotted lines until you're led to the final spot. And those can be broken down into Chicago, Roanoke Island, San Francisco, Houston, Milwaukee, and Boston. And the other types of puzzles are destination puzzles that start in the vicinity of the cask and give us a series of obscure clues to confirm the location and narrow down the spot. These puzzles may have been Price's way of letting people join in the hunt, even if they didn't live near a spot. Many of the clues in these puzzles can only be solved by library research and obscure sources. And those ones are broken down into Cleveland, Charleston, St. Augustine, New Orleans, Montreal, and New York. So the key to keep in mind in solving a journey puzzle is one is that none of the clues after the initial starting point were meant to be interpreted by armchair enthusiasts. There would be no point in sending people on the walk if they could simply jump ahead by interpreting a later clue. What this means is searchers that after starting along the route, all of the clues are going to be for small innocuous features that wouldn't be mentioned in any guidebook, things you'd only need to see in person. There'd be references to the number of steps in a staircase, or the name of a highway bridge, or the view across the lake, or even just naming of paths in a community garden. What you won't see is any mention of a major tourist landmark that would have been on maps or brochures in 1980. The compass is not likely going to be a well-known lighthouse. The giant pole is likely not going to be a totem pole or another attraction. The object of Twain's attention is not likely to be on any list of the first hundred things one might think of after researching the life of Mark Twain. So that's just sort of a breakdown of what the the journey puzzles are like. It's one where you have to go there, walk the steps that Price took, um, walk the path, and things that you would notice along the way. With the destination puzzles, the situation is reversed. Many of the clues can only be solved by poring over obscure sources in a library. There's nothing in White Point Garden in Charleston that explains the naming of the twins Edwin and Edwina. As far as we know, there's no public monument in New Orleans that includes the quotation about the St. Charles Hotel. Armchair searchers have made great progress on these puzzles, but even the internet has its limits when dealing with Price's convoluted way of making connections. Phrases like, natives still speak of him, of hard word, and three vols, requires both some serious research and a willingness to make some jumps. So again, that's, you know, the breakdown of it. Um, so all in all, I think it's a really, it's one of those things that's a really cool mystery out there in the world that I don't think enough people are talking about and that I really wanted to explore for the show. I wanted to get the book. I wanted to read through it. I wanted to look at the pictures and read the verses for myself and see them and see the breakdown of them. 
and see if I can, you know, put clues together. I mean, a really good example is image 12 being New York because the face on the angel in it looks exactly like the Statue of Liberty. And it's one of those recognizable faces and gives you immediate clues. Okay, this is New York City. Some of the other ones, I mean, the ones in Chicago, there was, I think one of the things in the windmill looks like the Sears Tower. And it's just one of those things where if you know the city and you're looking at the the paintings, it's kind of easy to break down what that city is. But if you don't know it, then it's a bit harder. Like I said, the one from New York, it's kind of easy. It's the Statue of Liberty face. Other ones, I mean, if I was just flipping through the paintings and not knowing which one matched to which, I would not know which one was Montreal. Um, there's things, you know, even living in Canada, Montreal is one of our most famous historical cities. I would not know that it's Montreal. So I really, you know, give props to the people that sat there and figured these out, that took the time to match the images to the verses so they could go and find these treasures. And they're still out there. So, I mean, it's really worth getting the book. Um, it's available on Amazon. It's called The Secret of Treasure Hunt. It's by Byron Price. And, you know, it's a really a really interesting thing if you're going to go out and try and find these if you live in one of the cities that was mentioned or even if you just want to sort of read about it and figure out the mystery on your own so I would recommend it I think it's really cool and you know if you're someone who is going to go out there and try and dig these up or go looking for them then be sure to hit me up and give me an update on it because I think that would be super interesting you know to hear about as well so hopefully it's something that you haven't heard about or you're more interested in and would go and you know check out and I would would definitely recommend it so look up the secret treasure hunt it's it's a fun adventure it's one of the last few mysteries that are left left in life in this world thanks for listening to the podcast as always you can find us on iTunes Google Play Stitcher wherever you get your podcast apps just look for the podcast and as well the Podbelly network check them out at podbelly.com on the internet for all your podcast needs and wants and you can find my shop at shop.littlegeekloss.com with all my fun t-shirts as well as everything else you know for me at littlegeekloss.com on the internet check that out as well